Welcome to the Fishbowl, the podcast where I record conversations about business, entrepreneurship, and other valuable topics. This is the sixth episode of the Fishbowl. My name is Jordan Hurst. I'm here with Mark to talk about uh, my life, studio song, and all else that goes into that. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing awesome, Jordan. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here as well, Jordan. Super excited to be able to talk about what's going on within Jordan's life as a second semester senior, as well as what has been going on to with Jordan's life that's led him to the position he is now. Hasn't always been a very direct road, has it, Jordan? It's been windy, a lot of ups and downs, but I'm glad to be here and I've learned a lot along the way. Absolutely. Tis the life of an entrepreneur. That's right. (laughs) So let's go ahead and get right into it. Tell me about uh, when your love for music, your first major, originally started. Sure. Uh, So I started taking piano lessons. uh, The exact date was May 10th, 2001. Um, the youngest of three boys, both my brothers, played piano as well. They were in the marching band, and so everything they did, I wanted to do. And so I started piano real young. Uh, ended up taking guitar lessons. Um, after a while, I was the only one in my family that stuck with guitar. Uh, and then into the high school, started a saxophone in the marching band. It was a blast. I love sax. Absolutely. And we talked about earlier before this recording started about some of the songs you could play like the uh sexy sax sexy sax man that's a it's a classic everybody asks you to play so you need to learn right away so that you, <laughs> you know what you're doing yeah absolutely <laughs> oh man if i would have known that then i would have asked you to bring it, it. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah classic uh but in accordance to that jordan also sings uh, as well so i started a worship band at my church back in ohio parkside church um, with Alistair Begg, and, and in high school, we didn't have a worship team, and so I started the uh, high school worship team there, uh, playing guitar, singing, uh, whatever I could do. It, it really, I really didn't know what I was doing, to be honest, at first, but it taught me so much uh, that when I came to college, started leading worship at a church uh, here in Pennsylvania, um, in the Pittsburgh area, and I'm so glad to have been a part of that for the past four years now. Um, that I started when I was a freshman, um, started with the high school guys, freshman guys. And now that I'm about to graduate, they're about to graduate and it's going to be a tough goodbye, but I'm glad that like, we're all kind of moving on to that next step at the same time, you know? That's really cool. You know, the places you end up, it's just so fascinating. And the places you are now aren't even the places you're going to end up. If you think about it, it's kind of an abstract, abstract thought, right? But quite serendipitous how you got into actually leading uh, worship for the junior high, right? Junior yeah, high? it just kind of happened. Uh, it started, um, did a little bit in junior high in eighth grade, but that was mostly with another adult. Um, in high school, there was no uh, worship team, not much of a worship team. Um, and so I kind of headed that up and had a bunch of other high school um, girls asked to, to be singing. Uh, some guys asked them to play some drums and things. And so we kind of um, got together and it taught me administration skills that I have to pick songs ahead of time so that people have time to practice and 
uh, I had to practice myself, which I was never good at, and, and a lot of skills that I never thought would be more applicable in the future, but has really uh, paved the way uh, a lot for what I'm involved in. Absolutely. It seems like a lot of the things that you've experienced in your life have really led on to this first uh, job you're going to be having right. here in quite a little bit, which we'll talk about quite soon. Sure. So you come into Grove City College. First off, why did you choose Grove City of all places? Yeah, again, youngest of three boys. Oldest brother went here uh, back in 2008, graduated in 2012. He was an electrical engineer, went on to uh, work on his own startup that was not successful, but he learned so much from it that he uh, then worked at Amazon for a year and now is at Google. And so absolutely brilliant. He got all the brains of the family. Uh, love him to death, but he uh, he did very well at Grove City. Uh, Aaron, my, my other brother, came here for a couple years, and his sophomore year was my freshman year. And so it was just kind of following my brother's footsteps. University in Ohio uh, for the remainder of college, and he still is, uh, we're kind of both seniors, and we're looking to graduate similar times. He might have to take another semester, but um to be honest it kind of at first i didn't want to come here because both my brothers were here and then it kind of developed into all right there's probably a reason they went here and i checked it out and i visited and i was like actually there's something to this grove city place and and uh, no regrets absolutely no regrets it's a great time over here oh yeah people people um will say that there's not a lot to do on the weekends sometimes but uh, i definitely keep myself busy that's for sure Doing what sort of stuff? I'm cra doing crazy stuff all the time. Um, this past weekend, did a little photo shoot with the, uh, if you've ever seen those pictures with the, uh, you light uh, steel wool on fire, and, and you will spin it around in a circle, take a long exposure, and it makes this really cool spark effect. And so I did that this past weekend, just something fun to do. Um, and then always working on business ventures, um, applying to jobs, the classic growth city life. You got to look forward to what's next all the time, but um, just hanging out with friends, just some of the coolest people go here that I just love to hang out with them, go out to eat, um, just find some way to mess around with them, you know, having a good time. Absolutely. So during that short time where you were actually a saxophone um, major he here at, on, at uh, Grove City College. Yeah, music major, that's right. Yeah. How was that experience like for you? Uh, so it was good. Honestly, I did really well because I've learned music my whole life. And so uh, my GPA was great. Love the professors and, and um, a lot of the music majors are great. But uh, it's a very classical uh, organization here, program at Grove City College. And I, although was good at it, was not very passionate about it. Um, I'm a very creative person. I, I like music because of the, not because of the rules, but because of breaking the rules really and, and trying to see ways that you can push music and, and make it um, still sound good to the ears without following all of the chord structures and everything. And so I uh, came here um, expecting to learn a lot of the chord structures and things, and, and I did, but it became very tedious, very classical, and so um, I knew right away that I had to make some kind of change um, in, in my career path. And so 
switched to entrepreneurship major my second semester freshman year as after talking to a mentor of mine and he suggested uh, sales or business or entrepreneurship and uh, talked to Professor Sweet, the head of the entrepreneurship department and uh, speaking of sales, he sold me right, right there on the spot to be an entrepreneurship major and so uh, no regrets, love, love, love being an entrepreneurship major here. So Professor Sweet has his history with sales. Tell me about kind of what he did with you uh, that prompted you. I don't remember you. specifically uh, exactly what, how the conversation went. Um, I do know that he does have very much a way with words. Um, Certainly. I know that he phrased it. like I don't know if he uh, craftily found out what I was looking for like he, he normally does in sales, but to um, found out that I loved – creativity and for him to say entrepreneurship is a very creative position it opens up a lot of doors it's not a very specific major and so um, not all entrepreneurs go on to start their own business a lot of them are entrepreneurs because they within the business and so I loved that idea and I loved the idea of of working in teams and collaborating and so uh, after hearing what this major was all about, I was like, sign me up. And it's been great ever since. For sure. That's a really good point about intrapreneurship. Those individuals, which are most that don't start a business within college and try to continue that, that are entrepreneurship majors. The fact that they majored in entrepreneurship is a symbol, a representation to many employers they might interview with that they are a certain type of person, right, to kind of be in that creative zone. Right. right. Uh, what you just said there kind of made me think about that. That means that someone might be working at more of a boutique type of business, right. a smaller one, whether it be marketing or uh, a smaller sales organizations or a startup like you're going to be doing. Right. Um, even if you're not, you know, writing the checks and such, uh, of the business, you nonetheless are living that lifestyle, which entrepreneurs, uh, really look for, right. That really, uh, thrive in. So very, very cool thought for sure. Um, so chronologically, let's go on next, uh, about kind of some of the businesses you started. So I, uh, sophomore year my freshman year switched over to entrepreneurship uh the first semester of my or the second semester of my freshman year um started on a team um called peewee points that is now evolved into peewee packs um that to be honest started as a urinal gaming system that would have been a type of i don't know urinal cake or urinal pad that guys could compete in the bathroom to get a high score based upon accuracy and power and um and duration and and from there <laughs> they would want to buy more drinks at the bar to compete with one another and the bars would make more money and so that was our whole business model uh come to find out that many people just were not interested in in that market and so uh like all good businesses do we pivoted and turned to uh potty training and so uh, since then, I have left the team, and that was the team uh, we'll get to later about the Wolverine Venture Battle. Um, that was the team that actually ended up beating me 
in the Wolverine Venture Battle. Uh, I got second place, but um, Ross Harrington, a really, really great friend of mine and um, colleague, is still to this day working on that idea um, and doing really well. He still needs to develop it. There's a lot of chemical things that he's working on, but um, it's basically just a uh, tool to help potty train. So that was my first venture. Uh, it wasn't a field that I was thoroughly thrilled about, but it was, it was still like a great learning experience for me. Sophomore year, um, took a class with Professor y- Yvonne English, and I, she asked us to come up with problems. At the time, I was in a band um, with my best friend, Josh Tracy. Shout out to Josh. What a guy. Uh, and we uh, would write songs together all the time. And when I would come up with uh, some lyrics, I would send them to him, and he would come up with a melody, and, and he'd send it back to me, and then I would adjust some of the lyrics, and then I'd send it back to him, and he would say, oh, I like this, or I don't like that. And, and after a while, just sending the different pieces and parts back and forth, it got too difficult, and, and the f- song started falling apart when we were trying to build it together. And so um, I decided to come up with in that class, um, I think it was Internet Entrepreneurship, um, an idea that I called Studio Song that was an app um, written to, it's kind of like Google Docs uh, for collaboration, but specifically in the music sphere. Um, and so it would help you with uh, organizing your, your lyrical thoughts as well as getting any kind of scratch recordings. It would have suggested rhymes and everything right within the app. Um, and so everything you'd need to write a song would be right there. And we developed the idea within the class, did really well. Um, I loved the idea. People seemed to want something like this. And then uh, at the end of the class, Professor English asked us if we wanted to continue the ideas. And I said no. I was, I was working at the time on another venture with uh, Ben Tobias and Logan Hammerschmidt um, that we took a 360-degree camera before they were too big of a deal, um, and we're going to shoot intimate moments in recording studios and sports events that a lot of people don't get to see. Um, ended up, that pivoted towards commercial use um, in taking 360 pictures of hotel rooms so that you can uh, kind of get a tour of the hotel before you go there, things like that. Um, because of copyright infringement and things with uh, sports events. So I left that startup to go full-time with Studio Song. Um, originally, I didn't think it would have... I was I was going to do it full-time, and uh, Professor English kind of said, you're passionate about this idea, and there's potential, so I don't know why you don't go for it. So I was like, okay. So I decided to go for it, and entered into the elevator pitch competition here on campus. Uh, the fall of my junior year, uh, 94 contestants just talked about it. I didn't really try to make it this elaborate pitch. Um, ended up getting first place. Was a huge shock to me. Um, very thankful and blessed for that opportunity. And that was a big turning point for me um, in my entrepreneurial mindset that I was like, this is something that I actually am really passionate about and that I actually could be successful with. So from there, entered into the Wolverine Venture Battle with the idea, ended up getting second place. And uh, like I said, to Pee Wee Packs, um, won $2,300 from it 
and Professor English came to me and she said, hey, I'm taking a group of students to Italy, to the European Innovation Academy. I want you to come. And so I took that $2,300 and I spent it on a plane ticket to Italy and um, ended up going to meet, it's, it's the largest uh, tech accelerator in the world. Um, six to 700 students from all around the world came together to start over 100 businesses. And Studio Song was one of those. And I took it, learned a ton, got to do a ton of customer interviews, meet a ton of amazing people. My team uh, consisted of a guy from China, a guy from Italy, a guy from Spain, and a guy from Washington, D.C., and myself. And uh, we bonded really well over the three weeks, got really close. And then while I was over in Italy, I decided to travel for a couple weeks and um, had never been outside the U.S. And so it was just like an absolutely incredible time for me. Um, so you stayed a little bit longer than the I rest did. of the group. Right. Well, me and two of the five students that went um, decided to stay. We went to uh, Venice and Florence and Cinque Terre and just like amazing. Highly, highly recommend to anybody who gets the chance to go. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Just made some incredible memories. And I, I believe I'll be making a mashup video. I took a lot of footage while I was over there um, at some point of my experience there. Um, and so that was a blast from there. I came back and was getting my hair cut and somebody <laughs> who was in the, uh, haircut shop at the time mentioned a competitor that, that he found that was very similar to studio song. And I checked it out never heard of it before. And it was very, very similar. So right there on the spot, I, just kind of decided that Studio Song was over. Um, real bummer. It was a hard day. No regrets. Uh, it took me to Italy. It won me thousands of dollars. Met a ton of cool people. Great experience. Um, but it kind of died that day, which was rough. And then as of three weeks ago, I believe, it's, it's pretty recent, um, some new, call it divine intervention uh, or inspiration, uh, has set on my mind, has been set on my mind, and I, I, uh, Studio Song could be making a comeback. It's exciting. I, I see some ways to pivot. I see some ways that the competition has pivoted, and I think that opportunity is rising once again for Studio Song. It's, it's exciting. I can definitely see the excitement within your face yeah. right now. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're going to be entering the new pivot, actually, into this year's Wolverine Venture Battle. And that'll be the true test to see if uh, people like the idea. So I'm excited. Will this be Studio Song or Studio Scribe? Studio Scribe is the technical name that's going to be entered into the Wolverine Venture Battle. It is actually works with Studio Song, um, hence the similarities in the name. Um, Studio Scribe is a hardware that is going to go with the software. And so one of the biggest problems that the that I had against the competition that I found was that they were a software to hardware company and mine was subscription-based. And so I thought I was just going to release the software. It was powerful enough um, that professionals would want to use it as well as amateurs. And so I would have different packages for each and how much they were willing to pay and uh, the perks that they would get from that. Um, and they would pay a small subscription fee, and I could just make money from that. Well, theirs was very similar to mine, but they released a an audio interface that you could plug your guitar into. It would go straight into your phone instead of having to go into a computer, and you could record professional-sounding music 
just straight from your phone, which is basically unheard of up until the past few years. Um, and so I kind of figured there's no way I can compete with their software being free and doing a very similar thing. But as they have continued to update, they've moved more towards the sound the song production um, phase and less towards the songwriting phase, which is where I really want to capitalize. And so to compete with the uh, software to hardware um, based model, I decided if you can't beat them, join them. And so I developed, um, I'm developing an idea that is um, a pen and a special pen and paper that will uh, sync up with your smartphone device and so that as you are writing a song it can transcribe and and into the app so you can get that natural feel of, of writing a song with your pen and paper a lot of musicians love that nostalgic natural pen to paper feel um, while being able for it to automatically go into the app automatically be able to collaborate with others um, without having too much in between you know and so that's the idea between it or behind it and um i'm hoping to see some i don't know some serious numbers and see if people are excited about it and if it seems to go well and i can actually develop i need to get an engineer to help me develop the uh the pen itself and, and the paper and to make it it's a smart pen technically so there's some technology in it um yeah, link it up to the, the software that needs to be developed still. And then if it all works, start a business, you know, do the, do the every entrepreneur's dream, you know. So we'll see. Absolutely. And you saw some with that idea usage within the kind of college uh, music department uh, realm. Right. I mean, I don't know exactly what it looks like yet, but if there's any way that I can um, – make it for educational use. I see people um, being willing to spend more money uh, for educational purposes than just for pleasure writing songs on pen and paper. And so I'm exploring some ideas. I don't have anything grounded yet, um, but I'm definitely thinking about how to get more into the educational sphere. That makes sense. What's the name of that competitor business? It's called BandLab. Uh, it's very bittersweet finding them because I created Studio Song because I wanted something to exist like this. Um, and so it's sweet because I, I found something, and I actually use um, BandLab fairly often, but um, very bitter because obviously it kind of was the downfall of my own idea. Um, but BandLab started a few years ago by the son of one of the owners – of one of the largest uh, oil companies in Singapore. And so money is basically unlimited to him, and, and he built the app for free before ever releasing any hardware or developing that. Um, and then I wondered what they were doing with marketing, and come to find out they had just bought 51% stock in uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Pete in marketing when they own one of the largest music magazines there is you know they seem to be doing really well and i it's, it's just really uh relieving to view them less and less of a competitor and more uh, company trying to make some kind of software in the music industry you know absolutely that's quite the strategy that band lab put together 
Now, they're upgrading, but their upgrade seems to be going away from their original intent, perhaps what the consumer wants. I see that nowadays with that, on a side note, with the Snapchat update. Right. The Snapchat update's less consumer-focused, I believe, and more them trying to uh, promote the influencers, the magazines, things that I'm sure pay uh, or really built up to that level. Now, you talked about seeing how they're going a little bit away from the consumer, what, what specific consumers might want, and you capitalizing on that. Now, in the Snapchat sense, you know, if we kind of take that uh, comparison over to Snapchat, you know, someone could uh, release Snapchat version one and call it like chat, chat snap or something like right. that. Um, but I think it would work just, you know, based on intuition and such. And if that's what you're planning to do, then uh, especially mixed with a pen, uh, some a little bit more added value there. I think that. That's definitely cool, and that could definitely uh, make a big impact. Uh, granted, you don't own 51% of Rolling Stone. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, the startup community, you know, it's quite supportive uh, consumer-wise of, you know, individuals really trying to start stuff quite like yours. Fascinating. So you're a second-semester senior. You're about to, uh, you know... Walk down that aisle of graduation. Yeah, 95 days until graduation, but who's counting, you know? How does that make you feel? Um, there are, every year of college, I've spoken to seniors about what that feels like, and they've all tried their best to do it justice and, and tell me what it feels like, and there's no way to explain it um, that, that properly does it justice. Because I figured, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I totally get where you're coming from. And now that I'm living it, you go the first three years just like, I can't wait to graduate and get out there and, and you know, take on the real world and college is going to prepare me. And um, I do feel prepared in the same sense. I'm like, why did I ever wish it away? Like, I, I do not want to leave college. And I, I am excited. Don't get me wrong. I am excited to, to see what's next and, and to move on. But um, I'm trying to make the absolute most out of these last 95 days. And uh I love it here. I really do. And it's, it's crazy. There have been some good times at Grove City. There's been some really tough times at Grove City. And, and to be able to look back at it all and say, like, wow, freshman year was a decent amount of time ago. And, and look how far I've come educationally, spiritually, mature-wise, maturely, maturely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> work on that one. But, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting feeling. Absolutely. And, and the job search is – it is nerve-wracking, and everybody asks you, what are you doing? But, I mean, there are some people that are much less educationally, I don't call it blessed, call it um, what you want, but um, education-wise as well as just um, knowledge-wise, spiritual-wise, maturity-wise, whatever it may be, who are fine. They got great jobs, and... and the school helping them, they're doing well. And so I have no uh, fear that I'm going to get a fine job and, and everything's there. The biggest fear, to be honest, is, I don't know if you call it fear, but the biggest thing that makes me the most nervous is community, where my whole life I've gone to school and all my friends have just been there. And I'll make friends who are there. And you go to college and everybody in your entire life lives within a two to five minute walk from you 
suddenly I graduate, hanging out with people is going to have to be something planned two weeks <laughs> in advance that I'm going to say, okay, I need to call off work to hang out with you. I need to make sure I'm free. Let's plan this out as opposed to it's a Thursday night. I'm bored and have two free hours. Let me just text five people. At least one of them is going to be free. All right, let's go like mess around in the stew or, you know, wherever it may be. And yeah. um, that's going to be the biggest change, the biggest reality shock, I think. You're quite the social individual. I am. And, and I take pride in that. And I'm, <laughs> every personality test that I take, I'm at least 96% or higher extroverted. Um, I, it's hard for me to, to relate to introverts. It's hard for me to um, imagine having the mind of an introvert just because I'm so extrovert and I just have to be around people. And um, sometimes I will be experiencing something, and if I'm experiencing it alone, then part of me says, like, what? <laughs> what's it worth? Like, if I can't someday say, oh, you remember that time? But... Um, definitely have been learning a little bit and will continue, especially next year. Do you know what your Myers-Briggs personality test is? Yeah, I, coming into college, it's actually, it hasn't necessarily changed. I don't think personality can necessarily change. Um, but I was a ESFP, but I've always been really close to ESFJ. And I think that as I'm maturing, I'm slowly becoming a little bit more ESFJ, um, a little bit more, I don't know, settled, I guess. But um, ESFP is is known for a lot of celebrities are ESFP, just very outgoing, very um, spotlight has to be on me. And I definitely, especially in high school, was that way. Um, but I've tamed down a little bit. I'd, I'd like to think so at least. And um, definitely had some very humbling experiences in college that have taught me that uh, life is definitely not about me. <laughs> and um, that's been just great, great lessons to learn. I think like what, what are some of the lessons I learned or what are some of the things that taught me those lessons? I, I guess those are the same questions. All of the above. <laughs> um, so here's a quick story that, that, uh, I definitely was not proud of in the moment, but have, um, come to see, um, what I would like to think is, is the Lord's provision through it. Um, so my sophomore year. Um, I was in a computer programming class in the fall semester, and I and that was the class I was struggling with the most, the the most with. Um, and I ended up getting the week before Thanksgiving uh, double pneumonia, uh, really, really badly. And I is that went, like both lungs? Yes, right. Um, the doctor said he had never seen. Anybody my age with with double pneumonia that bad? I actually got it on my birthday, um, and so I, w I went to the hospital um, Monday morning. I had it on Sunday and was really sick, but but Zerby was closed, the health center here at Grove City, and so I went from Zerby on Monday morning straight to the emergency room. And long story short, I uh, missed an entire week of school. This really really incredible story of of. Um, what I call spiritual healing. I had a, a pastor friend come up and pray for me. Everything he said in the prayer ended up coming true, uh, was taken to the Cleveland Clinic in an ambulance, and uh, the doctors had no idea what was going on. And then a couple of days later, I just started feeling better. And they were like, we're not changing anything we're doing. We don't know how you're getting better. 
Um, and it was just like a very incredible story. But um, afterwards, I came back to school and um, had missed over a week of classes, which near the end of the semester is just not very easy to bounce back from. So I ended up living in almost all of my professor's offices, just completely doing whatever I could to catch up. Um, and for my computer programming class, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the professor, have actually come to make amends with him, which has been really nice. But um, I was just studying with a friend of mine who was also in the class. Um, well, because we were studying together, we learned the same way. I learned a lot of the methods that he was doing. We worked together on all the homeworks, which we were allowed to, and that was fine. And come to take the final, and our finals were very, very similar. They actually weren't exactly similar, but they were very similar. Um, and the professor accused us of cheating. Um, and so that was just an absolute spiritual milestone for me. Um, that I was like in a lot of confusion of, of why would this happen? Why would I get accused of something I didn't do? Like it was really confusing and hard for me to get over. Um, ended up being found guilty. Um, really, really rubbed me the wrong way. That was just a tough spot to be in. Uh, come junior year, in the spring, I was planning on studying abroad in Spain, Barcelona, Spain, with my best friend Joel. And had all the paperwork filled out, was ready to go, had the classes filled out, the professor signed off on it, and I got a call from the study abroad organization saying, hey, we see that you got a 0% in one of your classes, what's this about? I tried to explain the story to them, and they said, we don't want um, something like that to be in our organization, um, to happen in our organization, so I ended up not being able to study abroad in Spain. Um, was just really, really frustrated. I had felt like um, studying abroad was something I always wanted to do in college, was just would have been an incredible opportunity, and so I was really confused for a while. Um, definitely humbled quite a bit. Um, and then within the first three or four weeks of my spring semester was when Professor English came to me and said, do you want to go to Italy? And I said, yes, like, absolutely. Like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't, don't know any of the expenses yet, but like, I'm there, I will be there. And so, um, just to see, um, it all come full circle, you know, and, and how, uh, had I not gotten accused of cheating, I would have gone to Spain. And I think Italy was much better experience for me, uh, as a person, uh, as well as, as a student and an entrepreneur, um, to not just be there to take some classes, but to be there actually for the European Innovation Academy and make those connections uh, was so great for me. And so um, I, I truly believe, which it was just an absolutely very humbling experience, uh, I truly believe that it's, it worked out better for me to be accused of cheating incorrectly than it would have been for me to be found innocent, um, which is super strange to me and, and to look back and see the whole picture um, now when something comes up and and it seems like the absolute pits I can I'm obviously not like excited about it but like I can sleep easy knowing that like something good can come from this like it's it's a lesson that I can learn that's an incredible story how many people know that
Thank you very much for sharing Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm kind of flabbergasted. That's incredible. I would have been outraged. Yeah, I was definitely not happy at the time. Wow. No. And to go all of winter break just thinking that right. the whole month we have. Yeah, and then I, I having to t- retake the class. Uh, With the last, same professor? Last semester, yeah. Um, the, th- the funny thing is, though, we used to teach C++, and now we teach Java in the same class, and so it's not even like it was the same material. And so on my transcript, it's the same class twice, but in my mind, I had to take a completely different class, and it was so much harder the second time. <laughs> and so I, it was it was a struggle, even up until recently, that like the effects of it were still um, affecting me and, and, and still present, you know? That's great how you can turn something so bad into something good. Right. That's I'm reading a book right now called Mindset. It's about having a growth mindset. And one of the attributes of an individual with a growth mindset is being able to turn a horrible thing into something great. Right. So I definitely commend you on that. Back to the Myers-Briggs personality. I'm an ENFJ. I thought we would be slightly more similar. I mean, we kind of are yeah. similar, but I can see how you're just a little bit more. I think I'm pretty good at communication, but you definitely taught me. You taught me. You're more. You're more. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You you got flow to you. If if you, the fishbowl audience couldn't tell by now, uh, definitely got away with words. Thanks, Mark. I'm guessing you're probably closer to Tim Sweet's personality type. Actually, uh, I believe so. Um, I like to. I'd like to emulate any of my professors, just like I have some incredible professors here and, and um, definitely some people I look up to even in the entrepreneurial sphere that I could see myself. Um, I, I feel just as comfortable in front of a crowd of, of 200 people pitching an idea or even singing if, if we go back to the music side uh, than I do in front of you know just one-on-one like we are now and just love that. It's it, it really is a gift that I have to recognize that a lot of people – do get stage fright, and I've never felt that, um, of just that the nervousness to be in front of people. I just kind of figure it's no different from being by myself, you know? And so if, as long as I, I don't get nervous, I don't really make too many mistakes. At least that's not true. <laughs> that was a blatant lie. I do make some mistakes, but I recognize that other people understand that, and they make mistakes too. And so as long as they're going to get it, then I got nothing really to be scared of. And so wow. um, just love just being comfortable you know, in any kind of situation. Absolutely. I watched you pitch studio song last year at Wolverine Venture Battle. Yeah. And I was like, this dude's not even breaking a sweat up there. I practiced hours. I don't normally practice for pitches, uh, especially for classes or little things like that. Um, I ended up spending about 40 hours on that presentation alone and then practiced some more and, and felt very prepared and hopefully it came out, you know, on the other end. So it certainly did. That. So you put like 40 hours into just making the PowerPoint. Yes, I am somewhat of a PowerPoint guru here. No, known for being a PowerPoint guru <laughs> on campus. When I was, I don't know, eight to 10 years old, I used to make video games on PowerPoint based upon different uh, clicking cues on where you click on the screen. It would do different animations. And uh, I did not realize that the little skills I was teaching myself as a 10-year-old just trying to have fun on a computer was going to translate to um, getting paid by some students to make their PowerPoints. And, and 
Uh, even got approached, nothing ever came from it, approached from an alumni I mentioned earlier, Logan Hammerschmidt, who works for a company right now, um, who wanted to, he, he wanted me to teach an online class on how to use PowerPoint to, to incoming students or uh, not necessarily to Grove City College, but um, to see that those skills were being recognized just has blown my mind. So yeah, I spent about 40 hours on the PowerPoint presentation and um, I think it showed that a lot of the judges saw that I put a lot of time into it and that it was a quality presentation and then hopefully the pitch was, you know, just went right along with it in the quality that it was and uh, from there I placed, you know, I did well. So, so 40 hours well spent, I guess. That's really cool. I'm doing the math right now. You won about 2300 yeah. Yep. Divided by forty. Okay, so that's about. Well, it's about fifty-seven dollars an hour. Wow. For the four hours, but I you put a little bit more, that. so let's give right. it fifty. Yeah, we'll call it fifty dollars an hour. That's that's decent money. I'll, I'll so take entrepreneurship that. student, it yes. pays. Yes. To put in hard work and do your pitches. That's right. Uh, whether it be elevator pitch or. This year at the Wolverine Venture Battle, they're right. actually growing the pot from 15K to 20K. 20K, as well as the, the judges this year have put their own money in. It's not coming from the entrepreneurship program here. And so uh, there's a lot more on the line. It's it's no longer going to feel to the judges like they're giving away fake money. If, if you come across as a very serious, actual business, that's what they're looking for. And so, excuse me, I'm, I'm really... Uh, excited to see how that changes my mindset going into the pitch so as am i jordan and i spoke beforehand how we'll be competing at yes. the same competition that's right it'll be interesting to see if we'll be competing directly uh against each other which i guess you if, know if, if we, we both, get both to make the finals top 10 yeah, yeah top eight or whatever it is then uh it's on. That's all I'm saying. It's on, Mark. <laughs> Exciting times. I'm going to have to uh, watch some PowerPoint uh, oh my. advanced things on YouTube or something. Yeah. Really cool. So you're up until this point. You know, you're up second semester, senior year. You got 95 days. You talk to me about the startup you're joining. Yes. When you graduate. So is that like right after you graduate? So we're talking about it right now. Um, a good friend of mine, Jordan Beal, he has come and spoke at the college a few times. This is where I met him um, through a professor we have, Professor Cedric Lewis, a phenomenal guy. He's a professor of law, music, and business. Um, he's totally revamping the music business program here on campus. Um, introduced me to Jordan Beal. Jordan and I uh, hit it off really well. We're very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, Ended up going out to dinner one night, um, and I came to his home studio um, that night and checked it out. So he started a company a few years ago called Innovate Records. Innovate Records has uh, – it, it's a Christian label for musicians that don't necessarily want to feel like they sign their soul away when they sign a label. Um, it's very reasonable in its pricing. He decided that he um, – wanted to use his multiple revenue streams of the multiple properties that he owns and a few other jobs that he works uh, to make it so if that wasn't his primary income, then musicians could come for a more affordable price. Um, he's taken that business model on to his next venture that uh, he has asked me to be a part of called um, David University um, that uh, 
we're hoping to create a worship leading school in Northeast Ohio. Uh, I'm not sure how much I can talk about it and how much I can't. And so um, I'll be a little bit more reserved on it, but it's supposed to be starting. We'd love to start some classes up in 2019. Um, just a 6-8-12. I'm not entirely sure yet there's a lot we have to talk about classes um that you'd only be there for tops a year um learn what you need to learn in in leadership in biblical teaching as well as just leading worship in in the uh, a lot of the tools that they use software and hardware um based upon you know the different churches that you go to a lot of them are very accessible a lot of people just don't know about them so we're going to teach all that um and then hopefully provide enough value that uh, churches will love the worship leaders that come out of our program and that they can continue to refer us to other people wanting to learn how to lead worship, that the business model that he had with Innovate Records um, would continue on and that we could create a lot of value for uh, not a ton of payment upright. And so um, there's a lot of great worship schools out there, um, some in Australia and some in New York, and um, some great programs, but a lot of them are very expensive, and worship leading is not necessarily, uh, you're not making bank as a worship leader, let's say that. And so um, Spiritually you are. Right. Preach, brother. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, and so, yeah, as much as we can help expand the kingdom, that's that's the ultimate goal. And if I can make a little money on the side doing it, then... Praise the Lord, man. That's that's the that's the gold point that I'm looking for right there. That's a really cool job. I think that fits you perfectly for your yeah. first job. Yeah. Do you plan to continue with that as a longer career, just prospectively? Sure. Um, so because we're trying to provide a lot of value for a smaller amount of money, that I know that it's it won't be an astronomically paying job, especially. Based upon the marketing and how many students we can get out per semester, I'm not entirely sure. And so um, I don't foresee it being a huge moneymaker. Not that life's about money, but, you know, it's it's nice to have a little change in your pocket. And so um, I would like to diversify my income for a few years. I'm, I'm working on a book right now with uh, the one of the co-starters of David University, um, Jordan Beale. And, and he and I are... Uh, trying to write about ideation and and the idea behind ideas um and so we're working together on that if i can get a little income there um, i'd love to get into house hacking and real estate and like that all fascinates me personally and so um if i can continue to just make connections diversify my income um i could see if it shoots off, does well, I could see it being something that I'm a part of for the next five, ten years, um, maybe even further. I don't know if um, it is something that I choose to just do for a couple of years, get a lot of great experience, and then I realize that maybe it's not exactly what I want to do. The sky's the limit, you know. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Sure. In that job, it's going to be covering Northeast Ohio. I'm guessing. Right. Uh, going to be marketing to a lot of Ohio, but also Western Pennsylvania. Right. And that's so cool that right. Grove City is within that your sphere of influence. About an hour from here. Wow. 
Professor English has already asked me to come back and speak in a few classes and startup founders dilemmas and, and if I will be part of a startup. And so I will be able to talk about those dilemmas. And I, I spoke in it in this year's class uh, in the fall about my my dilemmas with Studio Song and um, to be able to talk about Davie University, which just absolutely love to talk about the experiences that I'm learning there. Um, enjoy the campus. I mean, uh, I'm not thrilled to be in the weather that we have here uh, past this year. I mean, um, but to be honest, just like incredible, incredible opportunity um, to start near here. I mean, I'm from, excuse me, I'm from Northeast Ohio. It's about an hour from my home, about an hour from Grove City. And so talk about community. I would still have plenty of people that I know in the area. Um, and so it seems, I mean, I love to teach. I love to speak. I love music. I love worship. I love leading. Um, and if I can combine all the things that that I've been learning for the past four years here into one job, one stop shop. That's my first job out of college. It almost sounds too good to be true, but um, I know that there's going to be a lot more struggles than, than I can see right now along the way. But um, to be honest, I'm, I'm not scared of those struggles. I'm actually excited to say like, okay, what, what am I going to learn? What, uh, what exactly am I going to have to do to overcome these? And, and, um, I feel, which is an incredible, incredible feeling, that Grove City has set me up well. That I feel ready to take on those challenges, and and it's a good feeling uh, to feel like you have value in your education. You know, that's fantastic. Yeah. Is what city is David University in? Um, so the church right now is in Cortland, Ohio. Um, but it is going to be a second plant. Um, we're still researching. So it'll be within a half an hour probably of Cortland, Ohio. Um, but we're researching a second plant for the church itself. And then um, from there, we will use the second plant building to... Um, have church services on Sundays and on the weekends, and then during the week, use it as classrooms, you know, for David University. Very cool. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor. I, I've loved every bit of this. This has been great. As have I. And Fishbowl audience, if you have any questions for Jordan, definitely leave a link uh, to his social media uh, down, as well as his LinkedIn so, Jordan, there's always one question I ask to wrap up. Oh, boy, I'm nervous. Take your time with this one. <laughs> Simple one. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote? Um, I have two favorite quotes. One's a, a bit more of a joke, and the other one's a bit more serious. Um, the first one that's a joke is by a phenomenal musician of my uh, – uh, a phenomenal musician who I'm a big fan of. Um, named John Foreman of Switchfoot. Couldn't, couldn't be more classic Grove City band um, that everyone in Grove City loves. But uh, John Foreman once said, happiness is like peeing your pants. Everyone can see it, but only you can feel the warmth. Love that, not only for its, its comedic 
value, but also it's just so, so true. And so I love that. But the other uh, is a little bit longer. It's a prayer by Sir Francis Drake, uh, who was the first or second, maybe the second person to sail all the way around the world, um, which is so hard for me to imagine without airplanes, without helicopters to save you, without uh, cell phones and, and radios, just blows my mind that this crew decided to just trust this guy that they didn't even know the world was round at the time. You know, I mean, they, they assumed and they were pretty sure, but they had no proof, you know? And so it just absolutely blows my mind um, that they had the faith uh, to go about this. But he, he has this prayer that he wrote down once and says, disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. When, we, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where, losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in, the, to, and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. And I just love... I mean, you talk about innovation, everybody's always talking about risk and to be bold and um, a lot of boldness we talk about in, in entrepreneurship today is you get in some financial debt. It's not you could crash in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and be eaten by sharks, you know, and so um, just really puts into perspective like, forgive us, Lord, when we are too scared as an entrepreneur to dream big. Someone once told me, I don't know if this is necessarily true. I, I wouldn't necessarily put my life on, on this um, sentence, but someone once told me that he thinks that God always intended for the person to start Apple to be a Christian. But for some reason, Christians just don't always dare to dream big enough. Um, and that uh, it was going to happen anyway. I, I think that there are some things in life that are inevitable, and big business is one of them. And um, Steve Jobs was the guy to do it, and, and he was fearless. And um, for some reason, Christians who are, if anybody, should have the comfort of knowing that this life is just, you know, it's vanity in, in Ecclesiastes, it says, and it's just um, a wisp of air that comes and goes, uh, you know. And, and if this life is so short, why not take some risk? Why not graduate college and work on a startup? You know, I, I'm not looking for the comfortable uh, nine to five that earns me great money that then I can go and, you know, do things with that money. Like, I, it doesn't interest me. And, and so that quote has been always very, very encouraging to me that says, Lord, if I'm ever just sailing too close to the shore because I'm scared, let me know and disturb me with it, and just let me say, like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna be, be I'm gonna be bold. And so, there you go. That's the best quote I've had on this show wow. thus far. I'm That's honored. Incredible. I'm honored. 
Well, Jordan Horst, a passionate man. It's been a great hour. I have loved every second of it, honest. Awesome, awesome. So. Well, that's it for this episode, episode six of The Fishbowl.